Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. The faster time flies. The Bible says, if you'll follow me in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, one of the great things about the Word of God, it speaks about everything or deals with everything in some way. And in the third chapter is these words. As soon as I get my cell phone to work. I'm not young. I can't make this thing do what everybody else does. It says, begin with verse 1, there's a time for everything. And seasons for every activity under the heavens. He said, there's time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. Everybody laugh. (laughs) Time for you to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter the stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to to speak. Everybody in this world, have you ever thought sometimes it's unfair when somebody gets up and has this beautiful voice and you sing and your whole family leaves the house? And how many ever said, I wish I could sing like them? And so maybe in your mind you thought, well, God, why, did, why didn't you give me a voice like that? Or why can't I play the Uh, instruments like Jason does. And as we look around, we see people that have abilities that we do not have. And if it's not careful, we feel robbed. But God is faithful. And he gave every one of us, including you and me, time. And it's on loan by him because in this time of our life, God can use us if we capture the moments. I told Joni earlier tonight, I said, do you remember when the first time we went out? And she hesitated. And I thought maybe she don't want to remember. <laughs> but you know, that's been 58 years ago. And I was young. And she was young. And we had great dreams. Somebody's ever had a dream, like a kid. You ever seen a little kid? What are you going to be? You go, I'm going to be a policeman, or I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be a scientist. But as time passes, how our minds can change. And one of the problems we have is if you're like me, we know how to waste time. The older I get, the more I believe in naps. Joni said, you should have never bought that chair. Because I can go in just to rest, and if I'm not careful, I'll rest the rest of the day, and then I'll get up and go to bed. And so the time that I had, I didn't capture. Well, I guess I did. I slept. But how many knows I've always got, and you probably always got something on your mind you need to do, but you said, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Has anybody ever said, I'll do it tomorrow? Come on now. If you ever thought, I'll just do it tomorrow, raise your hand. Because that's how we are. Because we think we're always going to have time. 
and one day we'll get it done. And yet, as I think about the as I think of Jesus and his life, he accomplished in 30-some years his total purpose for being here because you know why? He captured time. He didn't waste it. I'm not saying it's wrong to not have good times, go on picnics, things, but sometimes we miss what we could be or what we could have simply because we wasted time. And Ecclesiastes says we have time. You know, I, I use this particular illustration seven years ago in this church service on a Sunday, but I want to use it tonight as a warning to us what could happen. More than 400 years ago, a bunch of pilgrims got on a boat for a land for their dreams. They just didn't want to leave England or Europe. They just didn't want to get in a boat and suffer the problems that they have, sicknesses, and many would die, and all kinds of problems. But they had a purpose, and they locked on that purpose, and they got on boats to come to this land because they wanted to capture that time. They had a dream. But for the dream to be true and to happen, they had to get on that boat. And so they came to America, and they landed. And the first year, they captured moment. They built a little town there. And so they did not land in America and just walked around and said, oh, this is America. But they had a purpose, and it was they built the first town. The second year because I found this in history, guess what they did? They elected a town council. Bad news. For God so loved the world, he didn't have a council. Can you imagine what a draft would look like if we'd all put our three cents in? It would have had a trunk like an elephant probably, short legs like a doxy dog. Can you imagine what this world would look like if a committee had designed it. But so they had a town council. And it sounded good because they had a vision. They were going to build a road towards the west. And so the council decided that the next move they were going to make, they was going to build a road towards California. They didn't call it California because we wasn't here. But towards the west, a five-mile road. And so they're excited about it. They got to America. They built a town. They begin life here. And now they're going to get a road because their dream was this is a land they believe God gave them. And they're going to take it all the way to the oceans, from ocean to ocean. But you know what happened? The next year, they tried to get rid of the council. That's true. It's in the history books. That's the first group that wanted to impeach somebody. They wanted to impeach the council because they didn't want to waste their time building a five-mile road to nowhere. Can you imagine if they would have got what they wanted, you would be in the East Coast right now. But what happened, it started out, they had a dream or they won something and a purpose, and they gave and captured time, and they got here. Now, let me take it to today. 
We weren't on the boats that came. We weren't there when they established a town. We were not there to vote for a council or to have a dream to build a road to the west, but we're here now. And if Jesus tarries, what we do with the time we got will determine the next generation. Do you know that? What my grandpa did, my dad benefited from. What my dad did, I've benefited from. And so we're here now. The pilgrims aren't here. But we're here. And guess what? We all are treated equal by God because all of us have time. Time that if we capture and do what God wants us to do, he'll bless it. And our lives will become far more than we've ever dreamed. I remember when I went home, my, my uncle was the head of the Franklin Life Insurance Company in California. He went to my dad. I was 16 at the time, ready to turn 17. And he told my dad, he said, I want you to let Harry move to California the moment he graduates. And I'll bring him into my company. I have no sons, and when I die, it's his. That sounded good to me because he had a nice car, had money, dressed nice. And all dad had to do was let me go. And you know what my dad said? Son, you're not going. He said, life's more than selling insurance. Now, if you're an insurance salesman, forgive me. And so I was bummed out. Because as a young boy, I, I, I thought that'd be the answer to life, to have money, live in California, enjoy the smog and, and, and the riots and all that goes on in California, you know. And, but I remember going to my grandpa, and I got saved right after that, gave my life to Christ. And so I felt like God called me to preach. But it terrified me, lest Pastor Wilson share with you, it terrified him to have to stand before a crowd and preach. And so I went to my grandpa because the rest of my family told me, you need to get a job and be a normal person. Now, that, you know what that meant? That meant you got married, had kids, buy a little house, and die. That's what it meant. My whole family lived within two miles of each other. They all lived there, and there's nothing wrong with them doing that. But God began to nudge me about capturing the moment, becoming who he wanted me to be. And though I felt insecure and I felt I couldn't, the decisions I was about to make would affect me and the rest of my life. That's frightening. And not only that, it affect everybody that I come in contact with that I have any kind of influence with. And so I went to my grandpa. We called him Pop. I said, Pop, I don't know what to do. And he said, Harry, what's wrong? And I said, I feel like God wants me to preach, but everybody tells me to get a job. And he looked at me and said, Harry, listen to me. You do what God says. And because my grandpa said, you do what God says, I've traveled the nations of the world, preached, seen people saved, healed, and delivered by the power of God. But if I hadn't captured that moment, or if my grandpa hadn't captured that moment, 
and looked at me and said, do what God said. Where would my life play out? Because our family's known in Clarksville. Matter of fact, there's a Hills Drive named for my dad. My grandpa was well-known. He went in the bank and borrowed money and didn't even have to sign the note and told him to come back two weeks later. Our names meant something. But yet, it's tragic. I was thinking about that today. What if I had a, what if I didn't do what God said? How would my life have played out? And then I got thinking, I'm old. I don't go to Mary Mary on the wall. I avoid them all. I don't say who's the best of them all. I say, I don't want to look at you because you're looking at me and I don't want to see what I look like. But I'm thinking about my life as I'm getting probably a lot closer to the end unless I become the next 800 and some year one to live. And I got thinking about it. How many moments do I have left? And how much time do I have left? And what should I do to make my life count? And you know, as a church, all of us have the same gift from God, and that's time. And our lives do matter, and your life matters. And I want to say something to you tonight. We can never be what we could have been without you. Because nothing's more powerful when people take their lives and go together with others and they become this great force for God. I was teasing Joni. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble on this one. I said, do you ever just want to grab me and dance? She said, no. <laughs> you know why? Because... She's afraid I'll step on her foot when you get old. Man, pain is really bad everywhere else, so you don't want your foot to hurt. It's like you're having pain in places you didn't know you had. But see, time won't stop. That's the problem. I remember on our first wedding anniversary, I felt so good that I, we made it a year. And somebody put up with me for a year. I did. We celebrated. And I thought... Wonder if we'll make 10 years, and after 10 to 20, and 30, and 40, now 50, and will we make 60? But you know what would be tragic? No matter how many nations I've been to, no matter how many people I've preached to, no matter how many miracles I've seen, if I waste time that I've still got, and I don't capture it, and continue to be what God wants me to be, that'd be tragic. As I look at you and see you and see the time you got, I want to tell you, your life can do a great impact for God if you capture the time. Because, see, time won't stop. I was thinking today, because I'm getting older by the day, how did I feel when I was 50? Well, it's been so long, I can't remember totally. I do know that I felt probably physically better than I do today. When I was 20, I didn't even want to sleep and waste time. 
Now I don't want to waste time. I want to sleep all the time. I don't want to waste that opportunity. And I know it sounds, all this sounds so silly, but you know it's so important. Jesus captured the time. You say, well, he's the son of God, but he came as a man. He was tempted. I'm sure he was tempted just to quit at times when people accused him of being what he wasn't. Accused him of being a devil. Didn't want anything to do with him other than crucify him. But you know what he did? He had a purpose, and that was to do the will of his heavenly Father. And you know, you have a purpose too, because you're not here just because they wanted a child on the earth. You're here because God has a purpose for you. The Bible said he knew you and me before we were in our mother's womb. And the Bible said we didn't choose God, he chose us. That's what Jesus said. You've not chosen me, but I chose you. And so tonight, as we consider this, our lives can make great impact with the moments we have, the minutes we have, the hours we have, because they're unknown from God. Somebody in this building is closer to eternity than anybody else. And I don't want to be morbid, but how much longer we got? Are we going to waste the time or are we going to capture it? And it's a joy to think. Listen, it's a joy. I'm not trying to be negative. It's a joy to think that this time that I got left, God's given me because he has a purpose for me in this time. And my life has a purpose. The best is not behind us. I believe the best is in front of us. I mean, I've seen revival. I've seen it go for weeks, but I believe God's got greater. God doesn't try to meet up with his best. You can't have his best. His best is far beyond you and me. When you've seen the greatest, God's still got more. And when you've experienced joy, God's got more joy for you. And so time is so important. Almost every day in our lives, we can say, what time is it? Our watches tell us. Our phones tell us. Our wives or husbands tell us. Some punch a time clock. But every one of us is aware of time. And I was thinking about this message as I was putting it together. You know, the tragedy is it's so easy for me to say, I'll do it later. Anybody ever said that? I'll do it later. Just two or three of us heathens here said that, but the rest of you hadn't. But you know what? We just have a tendency to put off what we need to be done. Like, for instance, if I see something I have to do at the house, I try to convince myself I'll do it later. And so when I get in my easy chair to relax, I'm tormented knowing i got to get that done. But I say to myself, it'll wait. Now, I know you've never done that, but I do. And so rather than get up and do it and feel good, I got it done, I, I let it bother me. I want you to just, let's just stop for a moment and let me bring this really, I want you to think with me. If God gives us time, and I believe it is on loan from God, 
because you couldn't give yourself time. You couldn't have created yourself. Your mother couldn't have conceived you herself if God didn't let that happen. And so if your life is important and God chose you and he chose me, we didn't choose him, then it's important that we make the best of time. It's important. And if we'll do that, we're going to see God do great and mighty things. You know, I was reading about the war when we, Pearl Harbor was bombed and we lost so many men and the world was in crisis and war. And the President of the United States, whether you like him or not, had to make a decision. And if history tells us right, he decided the only way to stop this war is to drop the big bomb. Now, I might not agree with that, and you might not agree with that. And we know that we have wars because of the sin of men. God wants us to get along, but man doesn't get along most of the time. But can you imagine what we could have been if he hadn't have done that? We could be speaking a different language tonight than we speak if we'd have lost that war. Now, I'm not saying I'm for war, but we had a president that made a decision and stuck with it, and he stopped it right at that point. And they signed a peace agreement after that bomb was dropped. Right or wrong, whether we like it or not, that was the type of thing that he made the decision of that changed the history. If one man could do that in a war scene because he's president of the United States, what could men and women do when they surrendered their time to God? And what impact not only we'd make on kingdom, but on the world. How many people have been to Clarksville, Indiana? You haven't missed a thing. Except the Ohio River and the Colgate plant, Colgate Palmolive Peak plant. And when I grew up, that was the only business besides the boat place that worked on barges. Everybody had to go to Louisville, Kentucky for their jobs. And when I graduated from high school, there was, I think, 82 in our graduating class. Big class, wasn't it? They got more in kindergarten today than that. But if you looked at that town, you'd think it will never be any more. But you know what happened? They elected three men to the council of that town that had a dream. And they said they were going to make Clarksville better than Jeffersonville and New Albany. Now, when I grew up, you either went to New Albany or Jeff to buy something. There was no stores in Clarksville. The only restaurant we had was Veda's Coffee Shop that had three booths and four stools at the counter. And if you didn't like Veda's, you had to go to another town to eat. But these men had a dream for our town. Nobody knew that the government was going to build a highway called Interstate 65 that ran from Indianapolis, Indiana to Nashville, Tennessee. And it came right through the heart of Clarksville, Indiana. But because our government had a plan for that road, and these men had a plan, and they heard this road might come through, they began to have dreams for this town. 
I went home a couple years ago when my brother-in-law died. My mother passed away, then my brother-in-law passed away. And they have more restaurants in that town. Every major restaurant's in that town. And guess what? Interstate 65 comes right down through it. So the people in Louisville that we used to go spend their money, they come to Clarksville because we have a cheaper tax rate. It's like people that drive seven miles because the gas is 10 cents a gallon cheaper. And you use a gallon of gas to save 60 cents. You know what I'm trying to say. But see, these are just ordinary people that said this town could become something. Since then, Colgate moved out and went somewhere else. That was the only business that kept the town going. The taxes they paid. But today that's flourishing. You go to Jeffersonville, New Albany, it's like ghost towns. But Clarksville's flourishing because they captured a moment. Some people captured a moment. They made some decisions. And as a result of that, things. What, what, what happened in the kingdom of God when people capture a moment? I look back at my life. When I was in school, Bible school, Methodist guy trying to become a preacher, I'm in my room, and I, and I give God all the glory for what I'm about to say because I know that if God don't help me, I'm a mess. But I'm in my room, and it's like something says, send a letter to the pastor of your home church and tell him you want to preach your revival. Since... I was in Bible school, a new pastor came. There was a bunch of people in that church that didn't like young people. They'd tell us things like, this will be your church one day, and we would say, we don't want it. So I, I sit down, and I'm not real good at literature and writing, but I wrote a letter and I said, this is my name, I've never met you. My grandparents were in the church. My family's church was all raised in the church. And I feel God wants me to come and do a revival. And I mailed it. A couple of weeks later, a letter came to the Bible school. And somebody said, you got a letter, Harry? And handed it to me. It's from the, my home church. So I'm nervous about opening it. You ever been nervous about it? It's like if you get a, something from the IRS. And you have people say, hey, take this. I don't want it, you know. And so I opened the letter, and here's what it said. Harry, I took this to the council, and I thought, oh, oh I'm in trouble. And we've decided to let you do a revival, but we're not going to support it. Now, you're talking about an ego buster that was. You can use the church, but you'll have to furnish the music and everything that's the only thing we're going to tell you you can do. So you know what? Something, something in me just jumped. You ever seen a lady that's pregnant and the baby kicks her and she jumps or hollers? Well, it was sort of like something came alive in me. So I went to Sonny. He was a guy that used to be a drug addict and got saved because I didn't know anything about drugs. When I grew up, Anything wrong with you? You took Pepto-Bismol. 
And so I said, Sonny, I'm going to go preach a revival. Would you go with me and give your testimony? And said, yeah, I'll go. And so I went to Tex Deaton, a old country boy from Rayford, North Carolina. And he liked to sing. And I said, Tex, would you go and lead singing with me? And he said, yeah. So we got in the car. And we headed from Greensboro, North Carolina to Clarksville, Indiana. We got there. And I think, what do I do now? <laughs> They're not going to support me. They're going to let me use this building. So I said, we need some advertisement. So I got Sonny and I got text myself and we pooled our money. And I heard about this preacher did printing on the side. And we went and he did us some revival flyers. So we went door to door in this little town of 3,000 people. Inviting them to come. And the first night, whoa, I was excited. My family came. They couldn't believe it. So here I am, feeling led God, felt I did what God wanted, but yet only my family. You know why they came? They couldn't even believe I could preach, and they wanted to hear me. And they were right. It was probably miserable. They, they fulfilled that scripture. If you can endure him to the end, you'll be saved. And so I didn't know what to do. And there was a camp meeting on Silver Hills in New Albany, Indiana, that was a holiness camp. That's where women wear dresses down to their ankles and to their right here, top of their hands, and they don't cut their hair and and all. But they were having camp meeting. So I said to them, and my wife and my son, let's go up there. So we're at Silver Hills, there was a bunch of young people, and I was young, so I had a bunch of them gather. We're sitting under this big old tree, had big limbs, big leaves, you know. There's real trees in the Midwest, folks. I mean, tall, big. We call what you call trees bushes, where I'm from. I'm not against your bushes if you want to be your trees, but there's big trees back there. And so we're under this tree, and I'm telling these young people, I want you to come to this meeting. And they're looking at me. They never knew me before that. And so I felt led to stand up and break a limb off of this tree. And it was a limb maybe from here to the pulpit, about like that, just full of leaves. And I threw it on the ground, and I tore one off, and I said, I dare you. And he said, what? I, I said, I dare you. What? Put it, I dare you to pin it on your shirt or your dress and go to school and wear it. Now, ain't that sound crazy? And I said, people's going to say, what on earth is that about? What's that? Why are you wearing a leaf? And I said, when they ask you that, don't, don't say a word till they ask you. Say, we're going to revival night. We want you to come. Because I got them to commit to come at least one night. And you know they wore those leaves to school. There was kids from New Albany High School, Jeff and Clarksville, all was up on that hill at that camp meeting because they had dormitories. It was free camp for two weeks, and kids had a good time. And so that night about 30 kids show up. And so I had three sermons. And so I preached. The first one was, you must be born again. So I preached that one. And gave an altar call, and a bunch of those kids came and gave their life to Christ. The next night, they invited more people, and more young people came. Now, that Methodist church, at that time, they didn't have any young people. They probably had 40 people at the most, and they were all older, waiting to go to heaven. And so, 
I gave an altar call, and a bunch got saved. By the fourth night, that church wouldn't hold the crowd. Packed with young people. Baptist kids came to a Methodist church. Presbyterian kids was at that church. Lutheran kids showed up at that church. Heathen kids showed up at that church. And I would preach. And I had three sermons. One night I'd preach one, two, three, and then I'd start over. But it wasn't my preaching. It was God. The only thing I did right was capture the moment. Even though I wasn't sure, I did it. I said, I'm getting out of the boat. I know there's a storm. I could go under, but I could go under sitting here. So I just, God just helped me get out of the boat at that moment and, and believe him. And so it broke out, and we couldn't hold the crowd. I want to listen because God can do that here. Couldn't hold the crowd. So guess what? The Baptist kids were driving their pastor crazy. You got to have him come preach in our church. So they called and said, Listen, if you need a church, you can use ours. It seated 600 people. By the third night in that Baptist church, we couldn't get them all in. Teenagers, adults. It wasn't because Harry Hills, it was God was there. And in a moment, we captured it, and God came. Listen to me. I take no credit. God came. God could have used a frog to do better than me preaching. But it went for two weeks. And now I'm pastoring a church in North Carolina, Evangelical Methodist Church. And I said, I got to go back to my church. You all keep it going. I was back there two days. And he said, you got to get on a plane. You got to come back because it was Monday. Said this thing has gone wild. We went seven weeks. We could not get the crowd of young people and adults. I would give an altar call in that Baptist church. The altar filled. We would pray. I was going to let them go home, and more came to get saved. Now at that time, I never seen a healing. I was a Methodist. We believed in healing, just not today. And so one of these young people said, that guy's got a big bandage. So I'm going to go talk to him. So they come back and said, he got his hand caught in a power more. And he sewed three of his fingers back on. And we want to pray for him. So I thought, wow. So I was going to let them pray for him. And so he came forward. All these young kids started praying. That guy shouted, scared me to death. I'm Methodist. I used to, they used to shout, but where I was from, they didn't shout anymore. She started shouting and screaming. These kids are dancing in a Baptist church around the altars. They're shouting and praising God. So I knew I lost the service, so I took the mic and I went down to him. I said, what's going on? He said, they sewed my fingers back on. I couldn't move them. They said, I'd never have use again. He started going like this. It went out in the cities there of New Albany, Clarksville, and Jeff. They started praying. People got healed. Listen to me, folks. God not only can do it again, he wants to do it again. I said, not only can he do it again, he wants to do it again. And guess who he wants to do it with? You and me. He's, we got time to contend for a mighty move of God. Come on, I said. You, you're here. 
You're not here just because you got. God purposed you to be born. God knew you was in your seat you're sitting in tonight. He knew what you was going to wear before your wife told you what to put on. He knew what deodorant you use, or maybe you didn't use deodorant. He knows all about you. And you know what he did? He loves you and me so much, he gave us some time. And he's, he's brooding over us tonight, like a hen over her chickens. God's brooding over us, and he wants to bless us. I said he wants to bless you. I said he wants to pour out his spirit like you've never experienced before. And the only thing that can stop it is you not at this time say, I'm getting in. Like the apostles said, bid me to come. Everybody thought he was crazy. But he walked on water. And he might have sinked, but he was walking to the one who grabbed him and pulled him back up, and they walked together. Listen, God wants to walk with you and me tonight. Hallelujah. Come on. Well, I'll just take a little time and let you think about it. I said, God wants to move. And he's looking for some people. He says, you know what, Lord? I don't know how much. I... Listen to me. Will I be standing before God before you? Will you be standing before God for all of us? Because eternity is real. And like Pastor Howard, you say, you're not getting out alive unless the rapture happens. And let me just say this to you. It'd be really wonderful if God said to all of us in eternity, you know what? There was a moment in Kingman, Arizona, when you just said, you know what? This time's unloaned from God, and I'm going to use it for him. And we're believing for a revival. Do you want a revival? Huh? How many is ever when you're a sinner, you partied? Man, we're not going to have revival unless you're honest. How many has ever partied? How many has ever had been to a party? And you know what you thought as soon as you left? When's the next party? You know what a sinner said to me in Sparta, Illinois? He got saved. He'd been with dope. He said, uh, When's the next church service? That was Sunday. I said, Wednesday. He said, what do you do Monday and Tuesday? And we had it Wednesday, and he said, when's the next one? I said, Sunday. What am I going to do? He said, I sin every day. Listen to me. What are we going to do with the time we got? Are we going to capture it? I got thinking about Rush Limbaugh because I'd hear him say, Talent alone from God. And I thought, you know what? He did have a talent. And he did capture it. And he had, whether you like him or not, he had the biggest radio audience in the history of radio. The most successful. You know why? Because he captured some time. And said, I'm going to do it. I'm asking Harry Hills this tonight. What am I going to do with the time I got left? What are you going to do with the time you got left? Could we as a church capture this moment? See, we sing a song that God's coming or revival's coming, but revival's here. We've been experiencing some revival. 
You say, you have? Have you been here? People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Couples are coming back together. People from the courts, life's wrecked. They're transformed by the power of God. We're sitting around seeing God move. But I want to ask you this question tonight. What are you going to do with the time you still have? I told you one of the greatest miracles I've experienced is that's when I got a letter from this Methodist church saying, you can come, but we won't back it and we won't attend. I could have quit, but I was young then. And I didn't like the way the church was going because old people didn't like me. And they tell me, one day it's going to be your church, boy. One day it's going to be your church. Well, I said, I don't want your church. I want out of here. But at the moment of time, God was moving my life, trying to nudge me. And I wrote a letter and got one back that wasn't encouraging at all. But I said, we're going for it. And history today, listen, some of those young people got saved from the church. They've been missionaries. Some pastored, some pastors' wives. Not all of them are in full-time Christian work, but a lot of them are serving God because time is valuable. And when you capture a moment, you not only affect your life, you affect everybody else. I got a word the other night. Uh, some of the pastors, we were all together for a little fellowship, and I got a word, and the word said to me, it's not just about you, it's about those that you touch, that your life goes on to them. You know that's so true? You remember me praying for last time I preached once a couple of weeks ago, I prayed for a girl named Brandy in Canada. She had cancer. The next day, I know you're watching, Brandy, but I'm going to tell them what you said. She watches me. <laughs> I sent her a text. I said, Joni and I love you, Brandy. I guess you know you're our favorite. She sent me this text back. She was a young girl when we took her like a daughter. and Now she's my age that I was back there. She said, I've been waiting. I was waiting for you to get back home. Thank you so much. I love both of you more than I can say. God is a good God, and he's faithful. And she said, I always told myself I was your favorite. Now I got it in writing. <laughs> the next, listen to this text that got back. The cancer's gone. Pathology says I'm negative. There's no sign of cancer. God is powerful. That is wonderful. She said, yes, because I belong to God. I close with that tonight. Randy, love you, Randy. And I even like your husband, Sean, and your kids. Good people. My favorite. But anyway, you got to capture a moment. We prayed for her in a moment. I asked you to pray with me. Remember? We just captured it and prayed. Goes back to a doctor. They can't even find it. Pathology test can't find it. What does God have for you and me? Yesterday's a memory. Tomorrow's our dream, isn't it? But right now's reality. Are we going to capture the time? 
Are we going to say to God, we're going to venture with you, God? Listen to me. Revival's not coming. It's here. And you and I can be a great part. And listen to me. This building, and I say it again, will not hold what God wants to do. Bow your head with me right now. I ask you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I ask you to do this with me. I ask you to partner with all of us that's here tonight, and let's capture this moment tonight, June 9th. We've never been here before, 2021. Let's capture this moment of time and say to God, we are going to be obedient to you. Put it on our hearts. We're going to contend, and we're going to have a revival like we've never dreamed we could have. Are you listening? Will you capture the moment with us this time? Right now, it's 8.04. Will you say with me, God, do it again. Use me. God, help me to capture this moment. And when I wake up tomorrow, I want to capture what you have for me and do what you want me to do. And you're going to have great revival for me in this church, in this city, because you chose us and ordained us for this moment in Jesus' name. Listen, it's going to be good. Come on. If you believe it's notify your face. Come on, smile. Turn to somebody, and I want you to mean this. Say, together, you and I can do more than we could do alone, and God's going to pour out his spirit, and you and I are going to be in it. God bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.